Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm really pleased tonight to welcome a, a very special guest, someone that I've uh, been acquainted with now for a couple of years and read his book. And uh, by the way, it's uh, Charles Larson that we have with us tonight. He, he's written the book, By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus. So, Charles, welcome. Appreciate you coming tonight and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Earl. <laughs> I'm very, very glad to be here, and it's a, it's a pleasure to finally appear on Ex-Warman Files. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're happy to have you, and you do have a very interesting story. Before we get into it, why don't we cover, you've written actually three books. Why don't you explain a little bit about the three yes, books? Yes, I have. Well, the first, of course, was By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus, and I wrote that. What a that. wonderful read. Oh, yeah. thank you, thank you. It, I understand it's blessed many people's lives. I'm sure it has. Uh, I wrote it primarily to tell the most powerful story that I knew of is to show that Joseph Smith could not possibly have been what he claimed to be, that the Mormon Church could not possibly be what it claimed to be, and to help people then transition into faith in Christ because so often people will dismiss what Joseph Smith claimed but still for some reason <laughs> accept his claim that every other Christian denomination is false and that is such a tragic mistake. Yeah. So, so this book was written first to show that Joseph Smith was not what he claimed to be and then to hopefully help transition people to, to Christ. You, you know Earl, I have heard from the publisher, of course, that there have been thousands of people, literally thousands, who have ended up leaving the church because of that book. Many of them did go into Christianity, but tragically, many of them did not. Yeah. And, you know, that I that just... That is a tragic part about well, it. Well, it is, but, you know, the Holy Spirit is what calls people. Yeah. And so until that happens, God can deal with the person wherever he is. And if it's outside of Mormonism, then that's fine. God can do that. Well, it always bothered me that people that do leave, it shows that they have a relationship with the church, but not yeah. with Jesus. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And, and it's that relationship with Christ. So many people in the church want to feel that they know God, yeah. but they're trusting an organization and not Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, you're also updating this book. There we are a lot of apologists we trying are, to come up with. We it. are in in the 25 years since that book was written. <sighs> apologists have not come up with any new arguments other than those that I have described in the book, which is, I think, amazing. Which is amazing. But all they're doing is just kind of recycling <laughs> what they have done, and so since that book was written and the apologists that I addressed have pretty much been dismissed and gone. They're off in the ether somewhere. But the new apologists have 
simply tried to go ahead and recycle it. Yeah. And so now those people need to be addressed, and that's why we're updating the book. Oh, good. Well, uh, that I'm sure <laughs> would it come out in, a, in the same format? Of or? course, yes. Okay, uh, the Institute for Religious Research publishes this book and makes it available to any Latter-day Saint who asks for it free of cost. Wow. Okay. That's IRR.org. That's IRR.org, yes, in, in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This book is available to any Latter-day Saint who asks for it free of cost. Wow. Every royalty that I would be entitled to otherwise from this book is turned right back into helping make this book available to Latter-day Saints. I have wow. never received so much as a dime <laughs> for having book. written this book. Wow. Well, it's it's wonderful, and I think it's one of the great challenges that the Mormon Church has to deal yeah. with. I know it was tremendously influential in my journey. It was it was actually the thing that tipped me over the edge. I was, <laughs> I was pretty convinced that I had problems with the changes in the Book of Mormon and the different versions of the First Vision. But when I realized that the Church had received that papyrus, back in 1967, and we didn't know anything about it. As a member of the church, I didn't know anything about it. I just thought something is wrong. And Most people yeah. don't know anything about it. They yeah. just trust that the church says everything is fine and never yeah. look. I mean, yeah. God bless you for that. I'm so <laughs> pleased to hear that. Well, there's two others, a, a Destroying Angel, mm -hmm. and it's a novel. It has to kind of do with uh, Mountain Meadow <laughs> Massacre. It does. Right? It's a it's a contemporary novel set contemporary, in Utah. Okay. It is not. It is not a Christian novel. Okay. This is a mainstream media novel, kind of like a, a John Grisham novel. It's okay. a murder mystery thriller. Wow. Where, I have a killer that is tracking down the descended <laughs> families of the perpetrators of the Mountain Meadows massacre. Wow. And executing them vicariously. Ooh. So oh, it's sounds good. It's. I think it's good. <laughs> and then you're also a, you say the word, numismatic person? I am a numismatist, yes. A numismatist. Yes, I am. This book is called Numismatic Forgery. Uh, it is it is written to, to go and describe the types of techniques and methods that forgers will use to create fakes of rare and valuable coins. Wow. I describe all of their methods, their techniques, and so forth. Uh, and on, on this book, you might notice on the cover here that I have a Mormon $10 gold piece, which is one of the rarest coins that can be collected. There are only wow. about, uh, you know, about 20 of them known to exist still. So uh, I, as a part of a historical project, which got me my credentials as a historian. I studied the Deseret Mint and I recreated those dyes. I recreated all of the techniques and wrote about it, about my study of it, as to what it took for the early pioneers out here in Utah in 1848 to create a coinage system that could go and convert gold from California into coins that could be spent back east. Wow. So that was my credential and I used that experience in this book. It's it's a good read. Uh, and it's been recognized by Oh the, by gosh. The, the well the, this this uh, this book won the uh, the best uh, best book award for the world coin uh, category at the uh, 2004 uh, numismatic American Numismatic Association convention in Pittsburgh. Wow. So I'm, I'm rather proud of it. It's yeah, a good book. I think that's just <laughs> wonderful. All right. Well, 
to to add to Charles's story um, <laughs> is is an amazing yeah. thing, and we're yeah. going to cover a little bit about now his his personal life. You uh, indicated that you were originally a Christian. Is that right? Yes, <laughs> I I was saved when I was eleven years old. And what was that? What happened there? <laughs> My aunt and uncle, I was living in California, my aunt and uncle would uh, take me to church to the Thursday night Bible study in Los Angeles at the uh, Church of the Open Door with Pastor J. Vernon McGee. Oh. And I attended that for two or three years, and when I was 11, I, I answered the altar call and was saved. And you just had that <sighs> feeling like you had a relationship with Jesus that... I knew I did. God doesn't lie. <laughs> no, that's true. God says, I have bought you with a price. He has. There's no question about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's done, and it's permanent and forever. No matter what else happens to you, no, no matter who else may try to deceive you or lead you astray, it was done. Yeah. And this happened at 11? At age 11, that's right. So now tell us a few years later what happens to you. Well, when I was... 19 years old, I was in the Army, 18 years old actually. It was 1969 and I was at Fort Ord, California. And as a young Christian man, uh, you're pretty much alone in the Army. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for people I could associate with, people who weren't out running around trying to do all the things that soldiers do. Yeah. <laughs> And I made friends with a young man in a bunk next to me who was a, a good moral person that I could enjoy, who had been a convert to the LDS Church for about a year. Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, we talked about God, we talked about all kinds of things, and one of the things that we talked about, he told me about how the Indians were really Israelites and that they had come here in 600 BC and that he had a book that would prove this to me. Wow. <laughs> so he gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon, Earl, and uh, I read it and gosh, I had no context. No. No context at all. I took my Christianity into Mormonism thinking all I was doing was expanding my Christianity and fulfilling it and becoming something that God wanted me to do. Wow. And, and so you felt like this was, like you say, enhancing or improving your I relationship did. I believed it, that it was enhancing. And did it for a while or did oh, it at all? Oh, of course. Of oh. course I thought it did anyway. Yeah. Uh, I believed that what they told me about the pre-existence, how I was special and, and just God had set me apart to become a member of his one true church Save and that all of all of my Christianity and my faith in Christ all of this was preparation for being able to receive this fullness of the gospel you see wow. and gosh I'm an 18 year old kid and I'm just whoa, my heart is palpitating <laughs> and I I just accepted all of this why wouldn't I yeah. it was so oh, I was so special <laughs> <laughs> and did you get a burning in the bosom then well of, of course the, I did of well, course I did I, I I believed everything that I was taught Earl. Wow. I, I believed that uh, that Joseph Smith really had been a prophet that the Book of Mormon really had been true that uh, 
you know, God had really restored the one true church and that the priesthood, all of that was mine just for the accepting. And so I did. I accepted it. I wanted to believe it. I, I embraced it with every fiber of my being. Hmm, I relate to that so, so much, and I'm sure yeah. many people do out there. Um, you went through the temple. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. Were you married in the temple? <laughs> I was. Okay. Yes, I was. Funny story about going through the temple. Uh, the person who took me through the temple for my endowment uh -huh. in 1971, after I'd been in the church for a year, was Chuck Sackett. Chuck Sackett, who eventually left the church and wrote the book called What's Going On in There about the, the temple, temple ordinances. Yes, oh, yes right? he and his wife. He was your both. escort, though. He was my escort <laughs> at the time, yes. He was the, the perfect Mormon family that, that I, I idealized and that my other Mormon friends idealized. They were converts and so forth. But, uh, oh, there's that train again. <laughs> but, yes, I, I went through the, Chuck, the temple taken through by Chuck Sackett, who eventually also left the Mormon church <laughs> and, oh and ended up exposing something within it. Yeah. God has a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he, though? He does. How about uh, you ended up going to BYU for a while? I did. I did. After, after the Army, I went to BYU. How was that experience? <sighs> it was wonderful. I lived in a house full of other Mormon guys that were interesting and strange. Yeah. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did my best to try to find a wife because I, I didn't quite so much go to, to BYU to get an education as I did to, uh, to, find a wife. to find a wife. I wanted a family of my own, a Mormon family that sure. I could raise and be a part of and, yeah. and just uh, <laughs> do the whole Mormon thing, you know. You told me about a little experience that happened about six months after you had joined the church. Oh, yes, I Tell did. Tell us about that. Well, I was, I was very believing, Earl, okay? Yeah. I, I accepted everything that, I, that I'd been given. And about six months after I had joined the church, a friend of mine who was also a convert came to me and told me this disturbing story about someone who was saying that, that God had been a man once and that people were saying that men would become gods. And I just, oh, no, this is terrible. So we immediately went to my bishop and we said, Bishop, someone is spreading this terrible heresy within the church, okay, about God having been a man once. <laughs> well, the bishop condescendingly put his hand on my shoulder and gave me the talk about, you know, milk before the meat and all of this. Oh. and and. He was such a sweet man, and he was so sincere. How could I not believe him? So I believed that I was a naive person who simply didn't understand the fullness of what was out there. I, after all, I'd, I'd already accepted the Book of Mormon. I'd accepted Joseph Smith as a prophet. I'd accepted all of these things and been baptized and made my commitment, and I was paying my tithing, doing everything I was supposed to. What's accepting one more thing, and then one more thing, and then one more thing. So I did the, the milk before the meat, and everything that I was told after that, I would accept. Yeah. Even though it might be something that bothers me, the Adam-God doctrine, uh, you name it, whatever it was, polygamy. It all. As long as I was told that everything was all right, I could accept the church, I could trust my leaders, and I could accept it until eventually it just 
became so bizarre. <laughs> Earl, did I ever tell you how, how I envisioned the church? No, I don't okay. think so. When I was taught the church by the missionaries, I envisioned the church as this beautiful pillar of truth rising up out of a sea of confusion. Okay. Sure, that's, yes. Yeah. And every time I would find some problem with it, whether it's the Adam-God doctrine or whether it's polygamy or whether it's masonry, uh, masonry <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. it would be like some brick would be pulled out of that pillar and cast oh. aside. But then I would go and look at what the apologists would say, and they would build this bridge of rationalization back to the pillar to connect the brick where it was supposed to go. Oh. And as long as I could do that, I was satisfied. Oh, great okay? But eventually, there were so many different things, the Book of Mormon and archaeology, the Book of Abraham, everything else that eventually, oh my goodness, eventually, God brought me to the point where I allowed myself to ask questions, and I backed up, and I looked at this pillar of truth that I had envisioned with all these disconnected bricks and all these bridges of rationalizations connecting it. It looked like a Rube Goldberg structure, <laughs> Earl. It was not what I had been taught was there. This pillar out of no, the confusion. It no. actually added it was, to the It was confusion. this horrible monstrosity. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I actually got down on my knees and I asked God, I said, I want to know the truth. Show me the truth. I don't care what it is. And I gave myself the right to ask questions. Yeah. As an investigator, I'd never done that. I took this very carefully packaged sales presentation and bought right into it and answered all the questions the way I was supposed to, but I'd never really given myself the right to ask questions. questions. Until a Mormon does that, they're just going to accept what they're told, yeah. and they're not going to really be have the truth revealed to them. How did you feel about Jesus then? You were looking to enhance oh, your relationship I with was, Jesus. What, I was. How, what happened there? I felt further and further away from my saving relationship with, with Jesus, the further I got into things like my endowments, my ordinances, my priesthood, my works, my obedience, all of these things that are supposed to enhance your relationship with God. Instead, all they were doing was puffing me up. Yeah. Until, and you get puffed up to the point where eventually you start to deflate. And when you deflate, there's nothing left but an empty bag. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe that's a, that. That's an excellent Well, and, and, and we think that all these works, going to the temple and all this priesthood and ordinances are going to get us closer to God. That's what we're told. But again, we don't accept that initially. Yeah. We get that line upon line and precept upon precept, and here a little and there a little milk before the meat, and we've accepted so much that it's easy to accept one more little thing and one more little thing. I'm, I'm a historian, Earl, okay? And I look at the early converts to the LDS Church, and the early ones in 1830 and 1831, they didn't have all of the crap that came afterward. They just had, you know, Jesus is Lord, here's proof that he was on this continent. Splash, you're baptized, okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, we have a prophet who's now calling himself a seer and a revelator. Okay, well, fine. Yeah. So you accept a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and the next thing you know, you're into, 
you're into priesthood, you're into polygamy, you're into blood atonement, you're into Lord only knows what. Adam God theory. Everything. Because you've accepted one little thing at a time and you're so deep in that you can't back out. And those that did back out were branded as renegades and apostates. Look at the Wilsons, look at the Laws, look at the, the McClellans, look at all of the, these people that, that did manage to go ahead and get out. Yeah, very poorly thought of. Very they? poorly thought of. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they don't get their names in the good history books. No, no. <laughs> I don't expect that you or I will either. <laughs> no, probably not at this point. So, as you go through then, uh, you're married, you have children, I guess, yes. you're active in the church. What kind yes. of really happens to, to make you think differently? Well, I was, I had returned to BYU, all right, and uh, I did been trying to live my my priesthood my my life my marriage all of these things raise two small children but I'd go to one class and I, I'm an anthropology major I, I my major was anthropology my emphasis was on archaeology I, I you know graduated with my degree in anthropology and teaching but I would go to one class and I would see all of these temples and everything and be told that they were from the Book of Mormon. Of course, that was my religion class. Then I'd go to another class and I'd be saying, yeah, this, this temple, this, from, this is a structure from, from the, the Mayan civilization. This one is Aztec from the 11th century. You know, and They had no context whatsoever with what the religion class was seeing. I, I could learn what they really were but in the religion classes, they would just be alluded to to give a kind of a context of flavor and yeah. not reality. And this I is thought, all BYU still? This is all BYU. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, you know, this, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There's something wrong here. I'm sorry, but yes, it was. I mean, and about this time also that I was beginning to encounter many more questions with the church than the apologists I, I couldn't keep up with the apologists to answer them. Wow. Okay, but at the same time, as a Christian, from an eleven-year-old who was saved, mm -hmm. I felt such a hunger in my soul and in my heart for the simple relationship that I had once had with Jesus Christ. Instead, I was—I had my ordinances. I was doing temple work. I had my priesthood. I was being obedient. I was listening to conference. I was doing everything that the leaders told me to do. But and didn't. I was so empty because it was me up there in front and not Jesus Christ. Wow, not that amazing? So I was working, trying to support my family. I was working at night as a night watchman, going to school. And I started listening to Christian radio. <laughs> oh, a graveyard shift or something? <laughs> graveyard shifts. I started getting the Word of God pure and simple and unfiltered through a bunch of crap coming to me again. Oh. And it began touching my soul and, and rekindling those things within my spirit that I knew were there. Wow. You know, there are people who say that you can fall away once you've been saved. Don't believe it. When God takes you and forgives your sin, He forgives all sins past, all sins present, 
and all sins future. There is nothing that you can do once God has bought you for that price that can ever take you out of his hand. No matter how screwed up you get, no matter how deceived you get, God has bought you and he has forgiven that. Wow. How long were you in the Mormon church then? Ten years, which I think <laughs> is just long enough to get my feet wet and not long enough to totally mess up my life. <laughs> and I know that uh, you've had a special enjoyment from Charles Stanley, the, one of the I pastors do. that we hear regularly on TV and, and the radio. And what does that mean to you, the, uh, to hear the Word of God preached so? Dr. Stanley is, uh, is an elderly man, First Baptist Church of Atlanta, Georgia. Right. I, I attend his church online. And to me, he's just a, a very dear spirit. Uh, yeah. There are so many things online, so many ministries that are available to people that don't live in an area where they may have a fellowship that they can participate in. And uh, to me, Dr. Charles Stanley has just been a, a wonderful answer to prayer. He, yeah. he teaches the Word of God in pure simplicity. As, as I remember it, it, it touches my heart, and it's, it's just a wonderful experience. Well, take just a minute and talk about this religion, uh, Ecclesia, you were calling that earlier, about uh, religion and, and this body of Christ that we, right. we now belong to. So many people in the LDS Church view Christianity as this collection of all of these little physical organizations that are all bickering with each other about yeah. form of baptism and form of Eucharist and form of this and that and the other thing, okay? Because to them, the church is a physical organization, which obviously is not the same as it was in the first century, so it had to be restored, so you had to have a prophet to restore it. <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> Jesus said that his church would endure and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I have to ask Mormons if when God supposedly appeared to Joseph Smith in the grove with Jesus Christ there, if Jesus looked embarrassed for having failed <laughs> and since needing his and, church didn't last since his church didn't last and needing some 14 year old boy in the 1820s to go ahead and fix everything. Okay. Oh, okay. The real church that Christ established is not a physical organization. No. I mean, we have physical body bodies, but the body of Christ is made up of the spiritually reborn yeah. people. Okay, in other words, they're born of the Spirit, and then they become a member of the spiritual church, the ecclesia. Charles, I guess we're actually out of time. Oh, no. I can't believe it. <laughs> but we appreciate you uh, coming and sharing your story, and oh, we look forward you. to seeing the update on this uh, book of uh, uh, Upon His Hand by, by Papyrus. And, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.